Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. I'm Eric G. Do me a favor, subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars if you like. If not, we'll take four. Um, Always let us know what we could be doing better uh, down there in the comment section. That's what the review part of it's for. Uh, Be like Big D. Um, Big D, I would like to thank you for the review this week, even if it wasn't uh, via Apple or Spotify. And with a Twitter handle like Big D, I'm assuming you do adult films. Um, So I hope that career is going well. Um, Big D thought the podcast was slanted a little bit too towards Oklahoma. Uh, But I will tell you, Big D, that today on my radio show, I got called an OSU homer. So we do a pretty damn good job of striking balance around here. And I understand that it's hard sometimes to please both fan bases, but we try. Um, and if and if nothing else, we're at least honest with our opinions. Unlike a lot of other shows that are out there that have people doing them that are tied to the university and are going to tell you things that you want to hear um, simply because they want the clicks, we're at least going to be honest on this show. And you're always free to disagree with us. And you know what? We don't hold it against you. Because that's the way this world is supposed to work. It was supposed to be able to have conversations because that's what you would do at a bar, hanging out with your friends or the coffee shop as you get older like me. I think that's what happens is you graduate from the bar and then you go to the coffee shop and you sit around all morning. Uh, You eat a breakfast of like toast. You eat a breakfast of toast, you drink coffee, and then you leave about noon and then you go have lunch. That's, I'm assuming that's what I'll be doing here in the next couple of years as I uh, make that turn toward, let me see, I'm already 50. So like in 10 years, that's what I will be doing. Going to the coffee shop, eating toast, drinking coffee, and talking sports. And who knows, if I'm lucky, they'll stick a microphone in front of my face. Well, coming up on today's show, now that I've wasted your time with that, um, coming up, we are going to be uh, t- previewing the OSU-Texas game. We'll talk about the future of Big 12 scheduling, and we'll give you our picks. We were actually good uh, this week on picks, at least compared to the week before. All right. What did Eric get right? What did Eric get wrong? Well, I got nothing right this week. So unlike Colin Cowherd, whom we've ripped this bit off from, I produced nothing. Nothing in the right column. First and foremost, I was wrong about OU beating Kansas. That did not happen this week. Dylan Gabriel comes back, gets himself Newcomer of the uh, Week honors, and throws for 403 yards on Kansas. Now, I'm on record saying that I don't think Dylan Gabriel would have made a huge difference in the Texas game. And remember, he did play versus TCU before he got knocked out. He also played against Kansas State. And even though Davis Bevel was garbage, we thought the bigger problem was going to be the OU defense. Turns out that the offense, obviously, uh, just as big as issue um, with, with with Oklahoma. And your choices are Dylan Gabriel or go Wildcat. And dear God, let's hope that OU doesn't have to go Wildcat anymore the rest of this season. So he was fabulous. Maybe even more impressive than Dylan Gabriel was how good Eric Gray was during this game. Eric Gray was averaging almost nine yards per carry. And whether it was the Kansas defense just not being that good, or maybe there's an extra gear that we just haven't seen him hit, he looked a hell of a lot faster than at any point he has during his career at OU. 
and looked like if he got into the open field, he just might have that extra gear. So wrong about OU beating Kansas and both Eric Gray and Dylan Gabriel. Um, if I had to pick offensive MVPs of, of the week, I, you would obviously have to go to Gabriel, but I feel like if we don't say something about Eric Gray, we're really sliding his performance. Wow, 701 total yards for the OU offense. That just, that, look, a, after getting hammered for three straight weeks to come out and have that win, um, no, Kansas is not a powerhouse. But when you're that coaching staff and you've lost like that just to get a win, you'll take it because it's something that you can use to build off of. And this bye week, you got to figure practice the next two weeks leading up to this Iowa State game ought to be real good for Oklahoma. What else was I wrong about? Colin Oliver's not the best player in the Big 12. You know, I, I've said he was, okay? And, and I thought whether it was him or Spencer Sanders, they were 1A, 1B, or they were 1 and 2, depending on how you ranked them. Well, they're still in the top three. Um, but I think anybody watching Quentin Johnson play over the last few weeks would have to say he is the best player in the Big 12. And he had eight catches against Oklahoma State, had a touchdown. But it's more than just the catches. It's that 6'4", 215-pound frame that Max Duggan can take advantage of. And I don't think that there's a player in the Big 12 that can successfully cover him. And right now, he's the only player I look at in the Big 12 and go, that is a first-round draft pick. He is that guy. As a unit, OU has got great receivers. Oklahoma State has got, as a unit, a ton of playmakers. Neither one of those groups has this guy on it. And we're used to seeing OU have this guy. Hell, we're used to seeing OSU have this guy with people like Des Bryant and Blackman. Right now, they don't. He is the best player on offense, the best player in the Big 12, maybe the only great player on offense in the Big 12 when you think about being able to transition from college to the NFL. Quentin Johnson, bro, keep doing what you're doing. You're a lot of fun to watch, um, even if you are torturing our teams. Okay, what I was wrong also about was Oklahoma State's defense coming up with a big play and sealing a victory against TCU uh, in particular, Mason Cobb they just kept waiting and waiting and waiting for it, and it wasn't like they didn't make plays. But in the end, it was TCU that came up with more plays than what Oklahoma State did. Um, the, the interception that Spencer Sanders threw. Think about this for a second. When I saw Spencer Sanders throw that interception, okay, terrible decision, whatever. They TCU catches it at the 10. TCU intercepts that ball at the 10. What are we thinking? It's as good as a punt, right? You weren't expecting TCU to go 90 yards down the field and put the ball in the end zone at that moment. And it was almost then where I thought, God, OSU, you're not winning this game. You, you just don't have maybe that one play in you. You've been on the field too long, whatever the case was, but when you expect somebody to do something and they don't deliver and the opposite team does, that will come as a shock to your system. Oklahoma State can get it back together. I fully expect them to, at least defensively, have more than a few big plays against Texas. I also expect that if they build up a 17-point lead against the Horns, they're not going to blow it this time. 
Speaking of defense, I was wrong about OU's defense not being able to make plays when it counted. C.J. Colden, huge interception, the transfer from Wyoming. Off, you know, the the one-handed interception, I think I said reception, but the one-handed interception showed that OU's defense, you know, Brent Venables has probably uh, been on their butts the last few weeks, and finally they come up with something to make him feel better. Now, OU's found the formula. They're going to have to outscore people. How many teams can they outscore in the Big 12? Your guess is as good as mine. If I had to bank on it, I think there's another loss on the OU schedule. Whereas OSU, I think if you can get by Tech, get by Texas this week, you should be able to go undefeated the rest of the way and hopefully get another crack at TCU in the Big 12 championship. And obviously OU and OSU've got to play each other. And yeah, I'm looking real forward to having to preview uh, the Bedlam game in the uh, in the upcoming podcast simply because, like, go back to what I said earlier, you can't make both fan bases happy. And at some point, I'm going to have to pick one. And obviously, one fan base is not going to like it. The other's going to be like, hey, great pick. Thanks for picking our team. Um, what else did I want to get to? Oh, that's right. I can't believe I had it written down. My handwriting sucks. I had this written down. Give the edge to the Oklahoma State Cowboys this week in the uniform battle. thought the black hel- helmet with Pistol Pete on it looked sharp. Um, what I love about that helmet is you could be up in the nosebleed sections at A. McCarter Stadium in Fort Worth and still tell what is on the helmet. Uh, where as OU's uniforms, all right, up close, I thought OU's use anthracite unity uniforms looked fantastic. And the message behind them, Great. Um, But on further review, when it came up for Saturday, whether you were watching on TV or in the stands, those numbers blended into the jerseys, which made it hard to tell who was doing what. I mean, you pretty much had to have all the positions memorized. I mean, look, you could tell Dylan Gabriel um, just by size and the fact that he's a quarterback, but running back, I imagine that when you were in the stands, you really didn't know who was running the ball until the announcer told you, and I don't know how he could have told you anything unless somebody had a real good pair of high-power binoculars um, and was able to be a good spotter. I hate it when the numbers blend in. The logo on the helmet looked like just a blob uh, when you panned out. Again, all in all, good-looking up close, but far away, the uniform failed, and that's what you've got to do. When When you are considering doing a uniform, the logo on the helmet needs to be clearly visible from the worst seats in the stadium, okay? It needs to be clearly visible so you know who's playing. With the numbers, they do not need to blend in. And I say that primarily as a guy that calls play-by-play. Um, you prefer you prefer contrasting numbers or at least enough of a contrast that you can see clearly. So that's why like white jerseys, red numbers, red jerseys, white numbers, Um, orange jerseys, white numbers, white jerseys, orange numbers, those things tend to help you out a little bit more. And you always want to be on your, on your game when you're calling play by play as it was. And and those kind of jerseys made it difficult, but, uh, yeah, OSU win in the uniform, win in the uniform category this week, simply because of the pistol Pete on the black helmet, still like that Patriot Pete helmet better, but This one was pretty sharp. All right, coming up next, we'll talk about Oklahoma State and Texas. 
amongst other things like what's going on with the Big 12 scheduling in the near future. It's all right here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. What's up, guys? I'm Pete Mundo, owner of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for listening to Eric's Bedlam Podcast. Always appreciate you being a part of the show in the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Hey, if you could take a second out, just leave a five-star rating and review of Eric's show. It helps us a lot. Continue to grow the brand, grow the podcast network, and that's happening because of you, your loyalty to what we do here covering the Big 12 top to bottom. So thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. And if you're not checking out my podcast covering the Big 12 top to bottom, search Heartland College Sports wherever you get your podcast, and you'll find all of the different team shows and my Big 12 show we've got going on. So thank you guys for doing that. We'll talk to you soon. Let's get back to Eric G. and the Bedlam edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G. This week, Oklahoma State, the number 11 team in the country, plays host to the number 20th team in the country in Texas. And Texas is a six-point favorite. Yeah, go figure. You would have th- you would have thought OSU's past history and their success against Texas would count for something with the people who set the lines. But Vegas obviously knows something we don't. Maybe it comes down to what my co-host said, is that Xavier Worthy and Bijan Robinson are the two best players on the field, and because Texas has the two best players on the field, therefore that's worth six points, even on the road in Stillwater. A, I'm not buying it. I'll still err on the side of Colin Oliver and Spencer Sanders being the two best players on the field, even if Worthy and Robinson are the better NFL prospects. I'll still take Colin Oliver to do something big this game, um, at least three sacks. I'll put him down for at least three sacks, but one timely sack on Quinn Ewers for for this game. I'll I'll put my I'll put my money on it. The other thing that I'm putting my money on this week is that Mike Gundy will have this team ready to go. His teams are always ready to go. They're never underprepared. But this will be a week at practice where hopefully by Sunday, this past Sunday, they were able to get over the loss to TCU and just concentrate on Texas. And this is a game that OSU will be confident that they can win, and they'll be more than anxious to get Texas in Stillwater for this game. Look, it it comes down to a couple of things for me here. It's all about the trenches in this game for Oklahoma State. One, defensive line. You have to control the game. The defensive front has to be big. Do not let Robinson rush for any more than I'd say about 75 yards. Don't let that opening, don't let that running game open up the passing game for Ewers. Put it all on Ewers early. Get to him early. Get to him often. Throw a couple of shots at him. Let him know you're there. Affect his decision making. And it's not that Worthy won't be able to make plays on the OSU secondary. He will. But if you can put Ewers in a situation where he's panicked or nervous, certainly he might end up finding an opposite-colored jersey or two during the game, which would go a long way in helping Oklahoma State win. The other thing is is that Oklahoma State's offensive line has got to do a better job of protecting Spencer Sanders. One, because of that banged-up shoulder. Two, I think we saw a couple of times in the TCU game where he wasn't able to get outside the way he normally does and go make those plays with his leg. And I would tell Spencer Sanders 
Um, do not be afraid to tuck it and run. Not that you are, but hey, if it's not there, if you don't have an open guy, and I know your shoulder may be hurt, you give Oklahoma State the best shot to win a lot of times by running the ball. But the offensive line has to do a better job of protecting him. Um, it would be great if you got help from the running backs. We say this every week, but I don't expect to get helps from the running backs at Oklahoma State. I expect if it's going to be the run game, it's going to have to be Sanders. And a couple of times, just make sure you get the ball to those playmakers. Okay, let let them do their let them do their thing as well. But ultimately, defensive line, this is your game to win or lose. And you put all the pressure on Quinn Ewers. I think Oklahoma State comes out with a win this week, a much needed win after losing to TCU, and it keeps you moving towards that Big 12 championship game. Oh, you get screwed again by the Big 12. Surprise, another 11 a.m. kickoff. Not this week, but next week against Iowa State. I don't know why. I just expect every single game other than the Bedlam game to be kicking off at 11. If OU's involved, that's what the Big 12 wants to do. The Bedlam game won't be at 11 because Oklahoma State's in it. And at least that's good news for OU fans is that maybe the Big 12 will be sympathetic towards Oklahoma State and they they won't force them uh, to kick off a game at 11 o'clock in the morning in Norman. So just get used to this. Um, As long as OU is in the Big 12, the conference, the networks will find a way to put them at the least appealing time for kickoffs as as they possibly can. And speaking of kickoffs and the new Big 12, and this would probably excite OSU fans more than it will OU fans, no divisions for the first couple of years of the new Big 12 while Texas and Oklahoma are still part of the conference. Um, eventually, what you're go- eventually what you're going to do here is, I, I don't know if you'll do, I honestly don't know if you'll divide or not. With, with 12 teams in the conference, I don't know how the Big 12 is going to do their schedule. I don't know if they'll try and do it um, like the SEC where you play three te- where there are three teams you're going to play every year, and then you maybe you play eight other teams um, on, a, on, a ro- on a rotating basis, or are you going to divide it up into divisions, the whole East-West thing, which makes the most sense in the Big 12, and then eventually end up in a conference championship game. Uh, For Oklahoma, it'll it'll be interesting to see how Oklahoma fans and Oklahoma themselves view this this new Big 12 and whether they can embrace it for a couple of years or if it's more just get us to the SEC as quickly as possible. Although I don't think anybody at OU wants to go to the SEC anytime soon after those three losses because the Sooners certainly do have some work to do. Unlike us... Well, actually, okay, totally like us because our our picks record, not very good this year. But I think we've told you that. We've told you that several times, that if you pick against us, you can't possibly go wrong. We are three and four on the season. Three and four, or actually, excuse me, three, four, and one um, because we started this a a little bit late. So let's see how we do this week. Two o'clock start has Texas Tech hosting West Virginia. Of course, West Virginia coming off that big win against Baylor. Tech is a seven-point favorite here. Yeah, you beat Baylor, but now you're flying across the country to play in Lubbock. Will they be throwing tortillas and everything else at you? And um, the game's at 2.30. At least you avoid a night game. I'll take Tech at home. The 3-3 three and three Texas Tech Red Raiders, 
to uh, beat the 3-3 three three West Virginia Mountaineers. Tech, again, that seven-point favorite. I'll take Tech to cover the seven. I'll also take Baylor to cover the eight against Kansas. Um, that game is in Waco. Baylor coming off that loss. Kansas coming off a loss. Backup quarterback, I thought, looked pretty good, but ultimately, I'm just not sure how good Kansas is. Uh, the late game in the Big 12, or as close to late as you can get, Kansas State at TCU. TCU's favored by three and a half. You'd be a fool to pick K-State. Well, I will be that fool. And take K-State at five and one in the Battle of the Purples to knock off TCU and make a mess of the Big 12. And then finally, Oklahoma State um, plus the six against Texas. Not only does Oklahoma State cover, but they'll win that game outright. All right, that wraps things up for us this week. We thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. Again, subscribe, rate, and review. And remember, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote a guy that celebrated his birthday last week, David Lee Roth, stay frosty.